we got a lot of work to do today. A lot of good work to do today. And I'm really looking forward to uh, the opportunity to guide us a little bit differently in God's Word today uh, for Missions Conference. On Wednesday, I was able to teach the Sparks and the TNT kids about uh, Patrick, St. Patrick. Uh, that was fun to interact with uh, the kids about leprechauns and all that stuff. Uh, Lucky Charms was great. Um, you can ask your kids. Uh, I am uh, privileged, is one of the things I get to do as associate pastor here at Village Bible Church is to uh, lead the missions ministry team. And uh, I want you to uh, know who they are so that you can thank them for all of the work they do behind the scenes. We meet monthly as a missions team, uh, going through uh, issues, talking about uh, missions budgets, talking about what our missionaries need, praying for our missionaries, talking through different strategies. Uh, and we are, um, I'm just privileged to work with them. Linda Coxon is on the missions team and Brian Diaz, uh, as well as Lynette and Patrick Levy over here and Heather Plotz. She's also one of those Plotzes uh, <laughs> in the back sitting with Matt. Uh, and we have uh, just a great time together, and we work hard, and I am excited to let you know that we are hopefully, I think, finishing up our uh, missions internship program here at Village Bible Church. We have been putting it together for a long time. We've, we've made a lot of progress, and we're working on putting that together for the 2019 year, and we'll have a lot more to roll out about that, but uh, this team has been working hard, and so I want you to, to thank them um, in fact, why don't we thank them that I, I just pointed out right now. <laughs> also, I would like to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. You can see in uh, today's worship folder just um, how strong and uh, generous the giving has been at Village Bible Church. I just want to remind you um, that this is an annual uh, thing that we do, the Faith Promise Cards. Um, if you filled one out last year, you need to fill one out again. Please don't put your name on it. don't want to know um, who you are. We use these cards to um, gauge what our missions budget is going to look like, how we can bless our missionaries, if we can add uh, more mission organizations or missionaries to our budget to be able to, uh, to fund them. Um, this is just a way for you and your family to get together and ask the Lord um, what he would have you give towards missions this year. So please fill that out. There's a basket in the back near Steve. Steve, wave. Hi, Steve. Back there, there's a basket to drop your card in. Uh, really, uh, mystery last week that I have not solved, but there were three uh, blank ones. So if you were just feeling like uh, like you needed to conserve and you weren't gonna, you didn't want to throw them away or whatever you did, thank you. But please fill them out and put them in that basket. That would be super helpful. Uh, and then just two more things as we get started. Uh, don't forget to notice the missionary update and insert in your uh, worship folder. Um, we do this, do this from time to time to put our missionaries before you get a picture of them up there and let you know. Um, specifically, read the one about Bethel Blount, who um, went home to be with the Lord last fall. Uh, and we, um, uh, we were able to just look up her story and see how villages supported her for decades and decades. Um, her dad helped start Calvary Church in Santa Ana, just a, a great uh, uh, legacy of faithfulness. And uh, I do want to point out that today, the Sunday school hour for the high school and college and other adult uh, groups will be back here in the sanctuary. Um, so we'll release 
you to uh, your time of coffee, but please make today a little quicker to get back in here because we have uh, the great privilege of hearing from Dr. Steve Rundle, who is a professor of economics and international business at Biola University. And he's going to be um, talking to us about, about a concept, a strategy, a mission strategy that maybe you've not heard of um, or been aware of called business as mission. Um, and just a really uh, innovative and relatively recent uh, uh, strategy for getting into closed countries, getting into places that are unengaged, places that are hard for m- more of a traditional missionary as we conceive of it to get into. Um, and so we're going to have him uh, give us a summary and an u- update about what's going on in business's mission and then give you an opportunity to ask questions um, and so that we can kind of explore this uh, relatively newer way of reaching the world. Uh, Dr. Rundle has uh, written a book called Great Commission Companies, The Emerging Role of Business and Missions um, that will display. It'll be in our church library in a couple weeks. Uh, he also has edited a, a, a book called Economic Justice in a Flat World, Christian Perspectives on Globalization. So I'll invite you to that in the education hour directly after this time. That being said, can you grab your Bible or turn on your app uh, or grab a black Bible in the seat back in front of you. We're going to go to Psalm 96. Psalm 96 this morning. We'll start there. I want to talk this morning about mission, missions, and missionaries. And I knew I was kind of walking into a minefield, but I didn't realize uh, until a couple of weeks ago what kind of uh, minefield I was walking into where all these various definitions of missions and mission and debates among missiologists and missionaries around the world. And so as I kind of was swimming through all these details, uh, I'm trying to uh, distill some things down for us. By no means am I going to cover anywhere near the amount of, of stuff there is on these topics, but I do want to maybe introduce them to you for the first time, maybe stir up your imagination as far as uh, imagining what missions can be. Uh, perhaps what it is and you didn't know it, um, and kind of look into some of these things, maybe give you a taste uh, so that you can do uh, some more of your own research there. But we're in Psalm 96, and you could follow along as I read. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples 
in his faithfulness. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Father, we are a busy people. We are a wealthy people. We have surrounded ourselves with good things. We have surrounded ourselves with distractions. And we have surrounded ourselves sometimes with dangerous things. So this morning, Lord, as we uh, gather here around your word, we ask that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to hear what you have to say. Lord, guide my words. Pray for um, the time uh, to come in Education Hour with Dr. Rundle. Lord, that you would bless our time together this morning. Help us to be learners, disciples, followers. Lord, help us to be tethered to the text, the word. The Bible would dictate um, our, our lives, uh, the decisions that we make, our missions, policy, our strategy here at Village, the partnerships and alliances that we make. And Lord, we do ask that our missionaries, many of whom have already met today to worship you with their church family, that they would be encouraged, uh, that they would be strengthened with your power, that they might do the work that you have called them to. And Lord, this week, we pray for your strength and your power in our lives to do what you have called us to do here in Southern California. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to talk about missions this morning. Uh, how many of you uh, have been on a missions trip, short term? All right. A lot of you. Very good. Um, how many of you have uh, grown up hearing missionary stories of some sort? How many of you have been into our church library and gotten a book on a missionary to read? Very good. Okay, so this is maybe a, a very familiar subject, and maybe it's so familiar it's too familiar. And I want to maybe back up a little bit and kind of give us, uh, boy, I don't know, want to call it a bird's eye view, but give us a, 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 a bigger view of the world of missions from the scriptures. I do this with fear and trembling. As I said, this is a, a, a vast undertaking, and I'm only skipping across the surface like a rock today, and hopefully we don't sink. I want to uh, quote to you um, Samuel Zwemer, who is known as the Apostle to Islam. Uh, he helped to awaken the church in the 20th century to the uh, vast need in the Muslim world. And he said this, The kingdoms and governments of this world have frontiers, which must not be crossed. But the gospel of Jesus Christ knows no frontier. It never has been kept within bounds. I love that quote. The gospel of Christ knows no frontier. It has never been kept within bounds. And this is the story of the Bible. This is our story that we are still participating in. We're surrounded by flags, um, partially as tradition, but partially as, a, as an opportunity for us to look and, and be reminded of the, the vast differences in the peoples that God has put on this earth. Um, most of us are citizens of the United States of America, which makes up, I think, about 4% of the population of the earth. So really a drop in the bucket. Um, you, you wouldn't think that because we think quite a bit of ourselves. Um, but there are so many different peoples um, different nations, and we're going to talk about that today. I do want you to look around, though. Look at the diversity that God has given to us. Look at the hair color around you, um, authentic or fake, uh, <laughs> if there is hair. Um, perhaps remember your hair from long ago. 
Look at the eye colors that are represented here. Look at the different fashions. Look at the different skin tones um, that are represented here. God has created a great tapestry in the human race, and we want to talk about the human race this morning. So in your notes, I just have a few questions, some headings to get you started. Hopefully you can follow along. And the first one is, what is the mission? And what is our mission? What is the mission? What's, what's the mission? What is God's mission? What are we talking about when we use the word mission or missions or missional or on mission or missionaries or mission agency? Which one of these things? That's a lot of missiony stuff there. And it becomes pretty easy to be Christianese and to forget what we're talking about. I want to dive in and we're going to swim all over this, this crazy pool of missions and... Um, we're going to get out and dive in again, and we'll get in the deep end, the shallow end. We'll jump in the jacuzzi. We'll be all over the place. But I do want to appeal to those of you in the, uh, in the class going through the Westminster Catechism. Um, the question that is presented there is, what is the chief end of man? Um, and I, I'm not going to a- ask you to answer because I don't want anyone to be embarrassed by messing that one up if you weren't there for that class. But the answer um, is that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. When we talk about end, what does the end mean? The end means the goal, uh, the mission, perhaps. What are we headed towards? What is the chief goal of man? What is man here for? What is humanity on this earth for? And the Westminster divines hundreds of years ago said that the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think that that is essentially right. But if that is our end, what is God doing? And how do we bring glory to God? Does God have a mission? And I think the answer is yes. And when I dove into some of the literature, I found myself surrounded by various answers um, along these lines. In fact, one of the resources I used was Dr. Rundle's book. Um, and looking at some of the other uh, resources that we have, there is a lot of agreement and a lot of disagreement about some of these things. But I think that one of the areas we can look is um, in John chapter 4, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well in Samaria, um, Jesus says to the woman in the conversation, he says that God is, the Father is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And I think that is a good, um, helpful summary for us, that God is seeking worshipers. God is looking. God is a shepherd, as the scripture often portrays him. He's seeking. He's actively looking for worshipers who will display his glory to the nations. You read through the Psalms, and we think of the Psalms um, sometimes as uh, the place to go um, for some uh, poetry, if you're more uh, oriented towards poetry, um, or if you're looking for something a little familiar, perhaps Psalm 23, or Psalm 51, or Psalm 1, or Psalm 100, or Psalm 19, or Psalm 119. But often what we miss in the Psalms are the vast amounts of mentions of the nations, the peoples. And we saw that in Psalm 96 this morning. And you think about that because we think about the Old Testament and we don't really, normally most of us go to the Old Testament to think about missions, to think about mission, to think about what God is doing. And yet we don't have a New Testament without an Old Testament, right? We don't know what's going on in the New Testament without the, the vast background of three quarters of the Bible in the Old Testament. And throughout the Psalms, throughout the Old Testament, we see these mentions of, maybe in seed form, but the nations, the peoples, 
What is God doing? Well, if we go to Genesis chapter 12, we see the call of a man named Abram. He is not a Jew. He's an Aramean. But he becomes the father of the Jews. And even in these first pages of the Bible, we see the seed of the gospel, the good news. We see the seed of this worldwide spread. In uh, Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3, God has told Abram to leave, to get up and go to another place that he's going to show him. And in verses 2 and 3, he says this, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. Now watch this. And in you, Abram, old man, childless, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good promise. That's a pretty big promise. That's a God-sized promise because only he can deliver on something like that. In you, in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We know that this is the seed because Paul, more than about 2,000 years later, says to the churches in Galatia, he says this, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, the non-Jews, by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. If you go look at that in Galatians chapter 3, Paul is making an argument from Abraham, 2,000 years before, and from the promise that God gave him. And there was that seed that maybe wasn't seen, maybe wasn't recognized in the days of Abraham, but began to bloom and to blossom when Jesus, son of Abraham, a Jew himself, comes and fulfills so many of these prophecies. And we find in him all the nations being blessed. Specifically, Paul is talking about the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the peoples of the earth. How many people here of Jewish heritage? Please raise your hand. I see three hand, four hand, four, I see a few hands, and some of them are not very confident. <laughs> Listen, that means you that raise your hands are probably not fully Jewish. Um, perhaps you are, but the rest of us then, the vast majority of us are Gentiles. So this promise to Abraham has come true here in this sanctuary today. That we, the Gentiles, the peoples, the nations of the earth, have been blessed. Do you know that psalm that says, be still and know that I am God? A psalm we take great comfort in. Did you know that's not the whole verse? Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now go ahead and keep that verse for those times when you need to be still and know that he is God. But be still and know that he is not just your God. He's the God of all the earth. He is the God of the nations. And he will be exalted among the nations. So next time you use that verse to calm down, perhaps to, to still yourself and submit to the Lord, remember that he is the Lord of the nations. He will be exalted in all of the earth. We talk about missions Talk about God's mission. What are we talking about? We're talking about billions of people right now on this spinning globe 
who are not worshipers of the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. Pastor Ron referenced this this morning. John, P- John Piper famously said in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions. Because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. But our vocation, our calling, our job will be unadulterated worship of God. We'll no longer reach the nations. The nations will have been reached and they will be worshiping God on his throne. We get a glimpse of this in the end goal of the whole Bible, the book of Revelation. Revelation takes the whole sweep of the scripture and tells us the future, wraps up so many threads that have been going throughout the Bible. In fact, a lot of these threads are in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. You see them begin to tie together a little bit more in the book of Revelation. Uh, Pastor Ron read some of this this morning, but Revelation 5, 9 through 10 says, they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. The last day's view of the people of God is one of all races, all colors, all ethnicities, all languages worshiping before the throne. If we were to take all of the people that claim to be evangelicals across the world right now and kind of mash them up into a picture, it would not look like a white person. It would look a whole lot more like a Nigerian woman with seven children going to a church in a church building to worship God. Because God is interested. God is saving the nations. He is bringing them to himself. He did this by sending his only son. He saved mankind by becoming man. That is how God went about his mission. He sent his son. Matt talked about being on the stage a few years ago, and we sent Matt. God has sent his son, Jesus. And so when we get to the gospel, some of the missions passages I'm supposed to be preaching from that are more familiar to us, the Matthew 28 and the Great Commission, the end of Luke, the beginning of Acts, these verses all tell us about how God's mission is, a part of his mission is allowing us to be a part of it, to play a role in his mission. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission says that we are to preach the gospel to all nations. How? He gives us instructions by baptizing and by teaching. This is what we're to do. We're to go about sharing the good news with all the nations and baptizing and teaching what Jesus has taught. And at the end, he gives a promise. You can know that you will be successful, that you will be able to accomplish what God has for you accomplished because he will be with us to the end of the age. That's a really important phrase to the end of the age. And so as the disciples passed on Jesus' words to their followers and their followers passed them on to their followers and their followers passed them on to their followers, all of a sudden we're sitting in a church in Garden Grove having heard the good news being passed on. We have a, we're, we have a baptismal behind us for people to be baptized in. I'm teaching right now. <laughs> um, this is being fulfilled as we speak. 
as we go. The end of the Gospel of Luke, which I'm sure we'll get to sometime, right, Pastor Ron? (laughs) We're starting chapter 10 next week. No, we're not. Not next week, because it's the kids' musical next week. Somehow we'll be getting into the double digits in Luke, and someday, sometime, we'll get into Luke 24, where Jesus tells the disciples after his resurrection about what had to happen in his suffering and what it was for. And Jesus tells them that he came to achieve what it would take to offer forgiveness of sins. The mission of God involves the fact that you and I are sinners, that we're rebels. And so the story takes on an interesting plot twist. When God's good creation rebels against him, and rather than wipe them all out, although he gets very close in the flood, God begins to work. And why, why this slowly? I don't know. But in God's great wisdom and timing, he has over millennia worked to bring peoples to himself. This is a global business. Jesus opens the disciples' eyes and says, Hey, Jewish guys, it's time now that I've achieved this to go to the nations. Forgiveness of sins needs to be preached to all nations. In John 20, verse 21, Told you we were skipping like a rock. <laughs> Jesus tells his disciples, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As God the Father sent Jesus into the world, similarly Jesus now sends his disciples out into the world to continue the mission. If you could go to Romans chapter 10 really quickly with me, please. Let's go to Romans Chapter 10. Let's see some more of this mission. Once again, more of uh, one of those uh, missions passages, right? Wouldn't be a good missions conference unless we went to Romans chapter 10. (laughs) Romans chapter 10. So much here, but we've got to skip down to verse verse 9. If you go back up to verses 1 through 4, you see Paul's missionary heart, his love, for his people, the Jews, but then he speaks in verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you Romans, you Gentiles, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation. Rescue. For with the heart one believes and is justified, declared righteous before God, even though a sinner, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all. He is not a tribal deity. He's not a regional deity. He is God Almighty. He is the God of all peoples, bestowing his riches on all who call on him, no matter their language, their skin color. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you believe that? That is what has saved us and needs to be part of the fuel that sends us to to tell others. Now in verse 14, Paul begins to reveal a little bit of his strategy. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? He's walking us backwards through this process. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? You hear the urgency? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? We need to be a sending people. we got to send, send, send. Which means, inevitably, people will stay, 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 so the others can go, 
go, go. And then we get this really odd statement from the book of Isaiah. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Beautiful feet. And look at verse 17. So faith comes from what? Hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. Paul is committed to himself and to others to send those who will speak the word of Christ. And listen, some of them are going to go. Paul's going to go. Paul's writing to the Romans. This is a support letter. Read the book of Romans. He's asking for their support to send him on to Spain. Why? Because it's the ends of the earth. Because no one's been there yet. Paul's going to plant some churches, get get them running, get them going, then keep going. But there's going to be people at the church that he started, they're going to stay there. But then maybe they're going to send some people too. But they got to stay there so they can send. So there's this whole strategy that's going on here that, that includes sending and praying and going and supporting and money and resources. Let's skip ahead a few chapters to chapter 15. As Paul begins to wrap up this, his, his greatest letter, He's getting towards the end. He's talking to the Roman church, telling them some of what's going on. And again, he reveals a little bit more of his strategy. Look at verse 20 of Romans chapter 15. What's Paul doing? What's his passion? What's his ambition? And thus I make it my ambition to what? Preach the gospel. Where? Not where Christ has already been named lest I build on someone else's foundation. Now, before we think that Paul's just an egomaniac and he wants to be first, 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 first. If you think that, you haven't read the rest of Romans. But Paul wants to go, his ambition, he's driven. He needs to go somewhere where no one's heard of Jesus and tell them. And he recognizes in this that he's fulfilling the scripture of the Old Testament, which is pretty audacious. Here's what I'm doing. By the way, it's fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. And he quotes Isaiah 52. Those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. Paul's ambition, Paul's driving principle was to go. Now if you read the next chapter, Paul thanks all of the people who stayed. He thanks all these people, this long list in Romans 16, that admit it, last time you read through it, in your Bible reading, you skipped it. Just a bunch of names I can't pronounce, and I don't even know what's going on here. But if you'll stay, if you'll stick it out and look at chapter 16, Paul is thanking all of the people that have made his ministry possible. He, there we go. Thanks, John. He doesn't like my voice. He wants someone else's voice reading the scriptures. All right. (laughs) That's happening every time, isn't it? Bible study, the sermon. Whose Sunday school class are you in? (laughs) As, As we see here in Romans... Paul is thanking his supporters. He's thanking his supporters. And so this is not just for those special people, the elites, who, are, who received some kind of weird dream and now they're going. This call is for all of us. We just play different roles. So God's mission, what is God doing? God is reconciling to himself all things in heaven and on earth. That's Colossians chapter 1. He's redeeming a fallen people to be a holy people And he's doing it all for his glory. What is our mission? Our mission is more narrowly to make disciples of all nations. Some of us will go. Some of us will stay. 
but it's all for God's glory. Now, point number two is what is and isn't missions. And this is where toes are stepped on and all kinds of things. Um, Dr. Rundle, in his book that he co-wrote with Dr. Stefan, uh, the intercultural studies professor at Biola, said this, different kinds of ministry bring different kinds of challenges. And so we need to be careful that we are not pigeonholing what a missionary looks like. I know what a missionary looks like. It looks like this person. And it does what that person does, and that's the end of the definition. We need to be very careful that we're not doing that. We also need to be careful to to say that missions, biblically defined, is not merely mercy ministries. The church has always participated in mercy ministries, but as an outflow of the gospel, as a fruit of the gospel. So water access, orphan care, medical care, working with local governments, all of these things are good and right things, and they all flow out of the gospel. They are not the gospel. If we do just the mercy ministries, we are making people's lives more comfortable on their way to hell. We have to get the priorities straight. Those things are good and wonderful things. People need water. There are parts of the world people desperately need water. And they desperately need living water as well. So we're not negating that. We're just saying that we are a word and deed kind of people. The Bible is chock full of this, right? Ephesians 2.10. Okay, we're God's workmanship. God created good works for us to do beforehand. He made us to do good works in the right order. James chapter 2 says this. We show our faith by our works. The works authenticate our faith. They don't save us. Paul told Titus that God saved us and is making saved people who are zealous for good works. That's the kind of people we should be because God saved us, not because we, we get bonus points by doing zealous things. God likes me more now. No, God saved me. Now there's people that need to hear the same message. Let's be zealous for good works. After all, the gospel is good news. It's news. News must be reported. Truthfully, we must do this. So disciple making and church planting and growth must be central. Now, I've got to blaze through some stuff here. How many of you have never heard of this phrase, the 1040 window? You have no idea what I'm talking about. Raise your hand, please. You have no idea what I'm talking about. 1040 window. Okay, perfect. Can you put up the 1040 window up here really quick? What is the 1040 window? The 1040 window is an area of the world that contains the largest population of non-Christians. The area extends from 10 degrees to 40 degrees north of the equator and stretches from North Africa across to China. Put that first map up there for us. In that area, in that region that you see there, there's an estimated 3.05 billion people. They represent approximately 5,900 unreached people groups. The 1040 window also contains the largest unreached peoples, over 1 million in population. In addition, the 1040 window contains the overwhelming majority of the world's least evangelized megacities. That is, those with a population of more than 1 million. The top 50 least evangelized megacities are all in the 1040 window. Crammed into this window, there is so much poverty. There is so much darkness. And it is dominated by the next slide. It was dominated by these four religious blocks. Islam thrives. It was born in the 1040 window. Sneak attack. So is Christianity. Also, Buddhism and Hinduism thrive here in the 1040 window as well as state-sponsored atheism in China. This is the center of all of this 
uh, all these ideologies and religions opposed to God. I wish I had more time, but we have to move on. Something we see in Scripture, nations, peoples, a phrase that we use often, people groups. What are we talking about? We're not talking about modern nation states. We're not talking about the American people, and we're not talking about the Indian people and the Russian people. We're talking about nations, peoples. The Greek word is ethnos. What do you hear? Ethnicity. We're talking about peoples who are united by uh, culture and language. And so when we're talking about reaching the nations, as Jesus has called us to do, we're not just talking about penetrating a border. Okay, so India has thousands of people groups all over that vast country of more than 1.2 billion people. There are people all over that country that have no idea the others exist. They can't communicate to each other. They have very different cultures from each other. And yet they all live in India, so they're all Indians. But they are different peoples. They are different ethnos. And so what we are talking about, what Jesus was talking about, is reaching the peoples. How did Paul do that? Well, he had a great advantage. Roman roads and the Greek language. The college group has been talking on Sunday mornings about how the Bible was translated into all these languages very early on. Into Syriac, into Aramaic, into Latin. Why? Because the people could understand Greek, but they needed to hear it in their heart language. And this happened very early on. When we talk about unreached, we don't simply mean lost. You, sitting in here, you might be lost. You're lost if you don't believe in Jesus. That's why we need to be saved, because we're lost. Unreached does not merely mean lost. Unreached means you don't have the opportunity to hear the gospel. In America, nobody, virtually, is unreached. And you might come and not speak the language so you can't understand the English. But virtually no one is unreached in America because you turn on a radio station and there's the gospel. The TV has all kinds of Christian-ish stations. Um, There's books and magazines and, and Christianity is kind of everywhere. There are places in the world where nobody has heard of Jesus. Never. They will be born, live, and die and never hear the name Jesus. That's what we're talking about. Unengaged. Here's another term. Unengaged means nobody is working in that people group yet. There's no one working there. There are hundreds of unengaged people groups around the world. Last phrase, frontier missions. Frontier missions is more like the Star Trek of missions. They're boldly going where no one has gone before. These are those that you read in the church library in the 19th century who go to cannibals, and they don't come back because the cannibals eat them, and they die on the mission field. These are the great missionaries of the 19th century who took their coffins with them. They did not FaceTime home. In fact, many of them lost their wives and their spouses. Those are the same thing. Their wives and their children. That's what I meant to say. They lost colleagues. Frontier missions is Paul going to Spain. Why? Because no one's been there yet. Lastly, number three, who's a missionary? Is every Christian a missionary? No. If the word means anything, it must mean something. And I don't have enough time to get through all this. But 
even in some of Dr. Rundle's work, he, they've, they've changed some wording to kind of keep up and to get rid of some of the negative connotations of missionaries in some parts of the world that suffered at the hands of missionaries that were more colonizing that, that region and calls them kingdom professionals. But what we're talking about here are people who are crossing a culture whose full-time work or vocation or calling is to go, to cross a border, to cross an ethno-linguistic, it's <laughs> a big word to say, someone else's language and someone else's culture in order to reach them. Okay, this is why we support missionaries and we don't support you brothers and sisters that are working in ORVAC or the SPN Zone or at Northrop Grumman or Boeing or you homemakers or retired people. We're not supporting you with the missions budget. Now, you have a mission because God has given all of us a mission, but you're not a missionary. You have the responsibility to share the gospel and to disciple the nations. But same culture, same language is a different thing. So if if we're going to let missionary mean something, we've got to have some kind of definition. It means we're crossing a culture to do the work. Listen to what John says in 3 John uh, There's no chapter, it's just one chapter, verses 5 through 8. He says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Why? For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we have to support people like this that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So we get to be fellow workers with missionaries. We, we're doing the same work. We're just doing a different role. We're, we're, not, we're not all pastors. Everyone's a teacher. Well, that's true. But if everyone's a teacher, then no one's a teacher, right? We have people who are teaching and teaching roles. Um, and so we need to define what we're talking about when we're talking about missions. This is incredibly important for us because we need to not make a hierarchy where missionaries are, oh, these people, and, and pastors for that matter, and full-time Christian workers, were, if you're a Christian, you're a full-time worker in God's harvest field. I'm not even touching on strategy. Not, missionaries aren't all David Livingstones or William Carey's or Hudson Taylor's or Amy Carmichael's or Lottie Moon's. They're not just preachers. They're not just Bible translators, but they're nurses and doctors and IT specialists. The list goes on and on. Strategies are going to vary. We need to be open to those things. But we're not all missionaries. But we are all on mission for God. We just play different roles in that mission. So now what? I have like a million bullet points, and i got to pick a few. So the first thing you can do to follow up on this of mission stuff is to come back in 10 minutes to hear Dr. Rundle talk about a specific strategy known as business as mission. There's great resources in our library. We have a huge mission section on purpose in our library. Go check it out. So many books, and we're adding more as the days go. Uh, What else can you do? Well, we're talking about it again, and you're like, oh, here comes the money thing. Yep, here comes the money thing. We can continue to give or maybe begin to give sacrificially and generously. C.S. Lewis said this. This is possibly my favorite quote about money. I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common, 
among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. My pastor growing up said that, called this giving till it hurts and then giving some more. So what can you do? You can friend our missionaries on Facebook. You can send them emails, cards, gifts. You can go short-term with Village. We're sending out a team in two weeks to Mexico. We go to Rancho Santa Marta every fall. We're going to need some help with Endicott and helping the Tribbles with VBS. If you are interested in that, please come talk to me. Take the Perspectives on the World Christian Movement class. Get lost on joshuaproject.net. Joshuaproject.net. Oh, it's like glorious. Just get lost in all these statistics and numbers and begin to pray for the peoples of the world. Listen to God. Consider whether he's calling you to go. Consider how he's calling you to send and stop disobeying. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for being a missionary God who sent his only son to live the obedient life we couldn't live, to die the death we deserve to die, and to rise triumphantly over Satan's sin and death to give us your spirit, to give us eternal life, to give us purpose in this life and a mission. Help us, Lord, Village Bible Church, to scatter and be scattered for the worship of your name and your glory among all the nations of the earth. Renew our zeal to reach the nations. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen.